Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. I want to know, is there a trick to keeping succulents alive? I have two in my office right now. They are alive, but I have killed every single (laughs) succulent I've ever owned. I want to keep these little guys alive. And people say that they're so easy. That's a lie. No, Succulents are not not. easy. Like, what am I missing about succulents? Um, You have written down chat about plants. (laughs) Um, I've done one worse. So everyone's like, okay, if you can't keep any plant alive, you can keep a fern alive. And so I had a fern. I named him Fernie Sanders. And he died. You killed Fernie Sanders? I killed Fernie Sanders. (laughs) Lauren. (laughs) Uh, Well, we also today have our good friend Brenda Hafera, Heritage Foundation expert, joining us. Brenda, do you have any great plant knowledge to bestow on us? Um, I am on board with Lauren. I also killed the (laughs) (laughs) All right. So probably great at news commentary. Terrible. Terrible. (laughs) Send us any tips you have because apparently we need them. All right, Lauren, what do you have queued up on today's show? Up on today's Problematic Woman, Target is now carrying a line of transgender undergarments, including binders and packing underwear. Uh, God knows what that is. Disney's popularity is trending downward, and it could be a result of its woke agenda. Netflix is taking the hint, telling its employees that they can work elsewhere if they can't handle the platform's diverse content. And thousands of pro-abortion protesters visited D.C. this weekend for a march. We were there, and we tell you what we saw. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are so often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. It's not a secret that Target leans left. The store has previously come under fire for saying that shoppers and employees can use whatever bathroom in the store that aligns with their gender identity. And Target is continuing its journey down leftist lane (laughs) and has just announced a new line of transgender undergarments. So let's break down what exactly this means. Target is selling uh, a line from Tomboy X. It includes compression tops. These are advertised as a more comfortable chest binder so that women who don't want to look like women can appear like they don't have breasts. Packing underwear. These are like boxer briefs that are described on Target's website as to help you uh, be true to you. Bras that are advertised as, you know, being for transgender individuals. They're pretty much just sports bras. And then boy shorts in a really large range of sizes from small to 4X. And Target is also carrying Humankind's line of swimsuits. And uh, Lauren, as you pointed out, these are kind of like just shorts and T-shirts or like shorts and yeah, bras. Yeah, like, I mean, every woman has always has gone to a pool where they forgot their swimsuit and they've just gone swimming in their sports bra and shorts. Yeah. And <laughs> like, I literally scrolled around this website being like, where's the transgender women's <laughs> swimsuits? I'm like, no, it's just literally black shorts and a sports bra. Yeah, I mean, in some ways you got to hand it to the marketing of this company. They were like, I know, we'll just sell shorts and sports bras. We'll call them bathing suits. (laughs) We'll charge way more. People will buy them. (laughs) 
well, and according to uh, Williams Institute at UCLA, less than 1% of American adults ages 18 to 24 identify as transgender. But Business Insider estimates that about 8 out of every 10 U.S. shoppers are customers at Target. All right. So what do you all think? Should we should we even care that a company like Target wants to sell something that less than 1% of the population needs or wants. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is just a bizarre that there's such a thing called packing underwear in binders that Target is a place where you go to shop with your kids. And I really, as teenagers, that's where you spend a lot of time. We would go to Walmart when we were bored. And we would go to Target when we were bored. So this is just another way where you can get these items to children without their parents knowing. Um, and so I think that's why it's really a big deal. Uh, it's probably a poor business decision. It's probably going to turn more people off from shopping at Target, for bringing their kids into these sections of Target. Maybe mo- moms might have to go busy into the grocery store, <laughs> maybe looking for baby formula. <laughs> but just they'll just go to the grocery section and, and quickly leave. And, and you won't go and get your staples. Because even think if you wanted to go get a swimsuit and you're you're going through all these like transgender swimsuits – it just ruins that shopping experience, and it also – it just brings politics up in a, in a time and a place that shouldn't be political. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that would be one of my concerns with it, that everything has become political. You know, you can't even watch NFL football anymore without it being political, and all these companies have politicized almost everything that Americans now are more cognizant of. I have to consider the values of these companies before I purchase something because those companies have pushed so many agendas and become so active in politics. And I would be very concerned as a parent right now of trying to raise your kids and then just being assaulted Mm. with these kinds of issues all the time rather than the parents being left to deal with those issues themselves and being able to direct the morals of their kids and really uh, respecting parents' rights to be able to do that. It's really difficult for, for parents raising kids in this environment if you can't even go to Target without things yeah. like packing underwear and uh, <laughs> binders being targeted to sell to your kids. Yeah. And this is in lead up to Pride Month, which is June, mm-hmm. quote unquote Pride Month. And if you walk into Target, it's not only these binders and, you know, quote unquote packing underwear. It is T-shirts for children with rainbows and, and gay pride slogans on it that, that is literally the first thing you see when you get in the store. And I so feel for young kids because kids love rainbows and bright colors. And like, gosh, what a hard conversation as a parent of like, oh, we can't buy the shirt with the bright big rainbow on it with the very clear agenda message, even though it's really pretty, sweetheart. Virginia, are you, are you mm-hmm. talking about kids or are you talking about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> like, I want that shirt. No. <laughs> but I do think that this brings up an interesting conversation um, about what are the brands that we choose to support versus not. I'm I'm honestly not big into boycotting brands. I think there's a time and a place for it. But if we're being honest, as conservatives, we couldn't by anything ever if we didn't support any brand <laughs> that was like left or woke it woke or had someone super you know progressive on their board um but for you all when when does it reach that point where you kind of make the decision okay this is somewhere where maybe i'm not comfortable supporting or maybe i'll just try and decrease my dependence on this brand 
So I'm lucky. Uh, Aldi also sells clothes every once in a while. I'll compliment Lauren on something and she'll be like, got it at Aldi. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will say I have not been to Target in probably over a year. Because last time yeah. I went, I spent like 250 bucks, And I'm like, oh, yeah, you can drop so much money in there so fast. I was like, what, what did I even get? Yeah. I got like some groceries and like I think I got a little something for my niece. And I'm like, this is this is too much. So, um, I, I mean, I guess I slightly disagree with you, Virginia. And it it is impossible to like be perfect with this as someone who likes to wear Levi jeans and they just went woke with the abortion stuff. Mm-hmm. I will say this will make me much less likely to go to Target, mm-hmm. and and I will try my best to avoid these brands. And I mean, uh, our our editor in chief at the Daily Signal, Kate Trinko, will mention something on Netflix, and she still boycotted it since the cuties yeah. <laughs> thing came out. So I mean, there is something to people seeing this and and stopping their mm-hmm. their patronage, the right? I think another way to approach it would be to show your support for those companies that are under assault for upholding their religious values mm-hmm. or things like that, like Chick-fil-A, for example. Mm-hmm. So um, rather than focusing maybe on boycotting certain companies, which I think you can do, another avenue is to show solidarity to companies that are really being brave and, mm-hmm. and standing up and saying, no, we're not going to overly politicize things or we are going to uphold the values that our company was founded yeah. on. I like that approach, Brenda, kind of thinking about, like, okay, how can I support companies that are either staying out of the politics arena, which I think so many businesses should stay out of, or that are actively saying, okay, we're going to stand for traditional values and not engage in what the woke left wants. That's a healthy perspective. Chicken sandwiches still on the left. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag. (laughs) Love it. All right. Well, Target, sadly, is far from the only company that is living out its woke ideology right now. More on that in just a moment. But first, if you are enjoying this episode of Problematic Women and want to find other like-minded podcasts, look no further than She Thinks. She Thinks is a podcast production of the Independent Women's Forum. Every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern, host Beverly Hallberg is joined by policymakers and thought leaders to cut through the spin and bring you facts on the issues that matter most. From the economy and education to foreign policy and everything in between, she thinks has you covered. And if you can't wait for the next episode to drop, you can listen to the podcast on IWF.org or you can search for She Thinks Podcast in your favorite podcast app. Disney is falling in popularity. According to the Manhattan Institute's Chris Rufo, quote, Americans with a favorable impression of Disney has collapsed from 77 percent last year to just 33 percent today. The reason for the drop? Rufo says it's because Disney has diverted from its family-friendly founding to become a far-left woke organization. Disney recently openly protested and opposed Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' parental rights and education bill. The legislation banned teaching gender identity ideology to children in schools between kindergarten and third grade. I mean, how how dare he? I know. Shocking. (laughs) Disney and the folks on the left renamed the bill, quote, don't say gay. Video from a Disney company meeting was also released recently with Disney content creators talking about how they really work LGBTQ messaging into their entertainment. Disney stock has also fallen steadily over the past year. So, Brenda, Virginia, 
thoughts? I mean, is, is, is Disney kind of getting what's coming to them in a way? I think so. I think people are finally putting their foot down. I think they're getting frustrated with the fact that they can't trust Disney anymore to be family friendly. You can't just turn on uh, a Disney show for your kids and assume that they're not going to be getting propaganda messaging that is rooted in wokest ideology. You now as a parent have to watch it first and make sure it's okay. I mean, those are the kind of things that as a parent you think, I don't have time to mess with this. I'm Mm going to cancel my Disney Plus subscription. I'm not going to go take my kids to Disney movies anymore. Um, I'm going to save $10,000 from not, by yeah. not going to <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think with entertainment now continuing to grow and there being so many other good options out there, this really doesn't surprise me that uh, Disney's popularity, its favorability is falling both just in people's opinions and also financially that they're slipping as well. I agree. I think the thing that I found most astounding about that whole affair was that Disney was really trying to subvert the will of the American people. Mm -hmm. Parents had weighed in on this. The legislation was going through. And we had a private company come forward and try to stop that, Mm. which I just think is such a bad example. This is this. We live in a Republican democracy. I mean, this is not the place for a court to try to put their will and their agenda over the parents in Florida. Mm-hmm. And it's it's ironic, too, because uh, don't don't tell anybody this because this is really embarrassing. But going to school in Orlando, I've just always kind of nerded out on Disney history. Mm-hmm. And so Walt Disney created Disney World as a place to go with your children. And he really was a deeply patriotic man who really wanted to showcase American history within the parks and show, showing that the great uh, Abe Lincoln, which has turned into the Hall of Presidents, was one of the first major attractions of the park. And he even actually looked into buying land uh, just south of us here in Virginia to create a America-themed Disney World. Mm. And so to see kind of his vision is like, I want to make the lives of people better and I want to make America better and I, I really want to like value our history while still moving America into the future and, and to see where Disney is as a company now um, just really kind of the exact opposite of that. They they don't want parents and children to come together. They want to separate the children and they want to tell that America has a terrible history. It's really sad and you don't want to see such a great company and such a, a huge part of people's childhood fail but at the same time the karma's a little delicious. Yeah, they might be <laughs> might be getting what's coming to them. Well, and I think it's interesting because we're watching as possibly Netflix is taking notes on mm. what's happening to Disney, and they're trying to backtrack. Obviously, Netflix uh, is not conservative, but they did recently release a memo to all of their employees pretty much saying, if you're not okay with the diversity of our content on our platform, then you can work elsewhere. So they released this memo last week saying – As employees, we support the principle that Netflix offers a diversity of stories, even if we find some titles counter to our own personal values. Depending on your role, you may need to work on titles you perceive to be harmful. If you'd find it hard to support our content breadth, Netflix may not be the best place for you. And you can't get much more direct than that. (laughs) I even like the quote, you perceive to be harmful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, this comes amid the Dave Chappelle special controversy and and all these things that Netflix is 
uh, having to kind of deal with right now and people being, you know, super offended or, or whatnot. But I really applaud Netflix for taking the stand for saying, hey, uh, we're not just going to kowtow to what you find offensive. We want to be representative of lots of different views and opinions. And so we're going to carry lots of different kinds of content. Yeah. <laughs> I can just keep going. Uh, yeah. I, it's almost surprising that Netflix is doing this after so long of just – I mean you log on to Netflix and it's like recommended for you and it's like lesbians, gay people, like <laughs> trans people. And it's like – but then the day they're making marked decisions. But at the same time, if they're saying we'll make some woke programming but we're going to make some not woke programming and – You're just going to have to deal with it. I think that is a very strong stance by Netflix. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm somewhat skeptical. We'll see how it all all (laughs) ends up being. Um, But hopefully this this marks a sea change Mm -hmm. that the American people are really fed up with everything being politicized and with woke culture and cancel culture and maybe – corporations, some corporations at least, are finally taking note of that and realizing that it will hurt their bottom line if they do these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And then you have companies like Apple, Citigroup, Salesforce, Yelp, Starbucks, and Microsoft coming out in support of abortion. Lots of these big companies are saying that they will pay for travel for their employees to get abortions in states that now allow abortion if Roe v. Wade is overturned with the new Dobbs case. I think uh, this radical support that we're seeing for big businesses really highlights how uh, so many people don't understand what abortion is uh, and have, yeah, just such a fundamental misunderstanding of the American public's perception of abortion, how much uh, the American public doesn't favor abortion. But then also I think, um, yeah, like I said, so many people just have a misunderstanding of what abortion is, which, Lauren, we certainly saw (laughs) at the pro-abortion Women's March on Saturday. This march was in Washington, D.C. Thousands of people, young, old, men, women, kids, they turned babies. out babies, pregnant yeah. women. Yeah, I mean, mm. just insane seeing all of these people in Washington D.C. really celebrating abortion. They, it was they, gross. it was, it was gross. They gathered at the Washington Monument, and then they walked about two miles, marched about two miles to the Supreme Court. This was, uh, like we said, vast group of people. It's very diverse, and I, I just kept thinking. As I watch these people, because, of course, you have some people you look at, you're like, okay, they're a little radical and wild and weird. But so many of the people it was it was very, you know, just normal looking people like you and I. And I was like, wow, we have to be keeping up this education campaign to let people know that abortion is taking the life of a child, that a baby's DNA is formed at the moment of conception, that a heartbeat is detected around six weeks, that a child in the womb can feel pain around 12 weeks. These are things everyone should know. Um, and as I kind of looked at this crowd of people, I was like, okay, now more than ever, like we have got to be letting people know what abortion really is because that's how we're going to move um, from, you know, abortion being something that's you know, maybe just taboo to actually unthinkable. Uh, but Lauren, you were out there too. What what did you notice? See, I think this again shows the difference between Virginia and I. Uh, for me, I was much more cynical about it. <laughs> I These people just seem like 
they went to brunch and then they were like, oh, this is the next thing we were going to do. And then <laughs> we'll probably go to happy hour on 14th Street and then they'll probably go home. Yeah. It just seemed like they 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 seem brainwashed mm-hmm. in a way where no, I, I, I think they, they do understand that, Virginia, but they have talked themselves out of that being important. They have mm-hmm. they have oversimplified and they have made the women's life and the women's experience more important than this child. And um, I think that's really where the battle is to, to be won, is to just let these people know that th- it isn't a choice between the mom and the child. We need to empower them both. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the people there could agree with that. And the speakers were literally just saying random things like, Anybody who's against abortion is a white supremacist. Yeah. And, oh. Yeah. And <laughs> they'd be mad. <laughs> and they were like just celebrating these women who had abortions and uh, because it wasn't the wrong time of their life. It wasn't even like. Well, and I found that interesting because these are women who were standing up um, and telling pretty emotional stories. You could tell that like them choosing to get an abortion wasn't an easy choice, that it was um, something that is still weighing on them to this day but yet you have all these people like applauding for them and celebrating and you it. think they would find better stories for the yeah. rally not every abortionist terrible and sad but it I mean it was just somebody if they want propaganda yeah. they should find propaganda yeah like no this was like oh i wanted to go to college and it wasn't a good time so i had an abortion so i could go to college and then i went to college mm-hmm. and now i have a degree and it just seems like oh cool but like you could also have gone to college and had a Child, child or giving that child up for adoption. adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Virginia, you and I at the end of the day, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, what did we just witness? Yeah. And it's like, this is messed up. We're like, it wasn't like a bad day. Like, we didn't, but w- I think it was just like, it was fun in the fact that we got to hang out and we got to like run around. We literally run around. Brenda, we, I am still sore. We, <laughs> we walked five and a half miles. Um, and so it was fun to like, do that and then get to be on social media and, and really, like, report. But then, yeah, Virginia, it was emotionally heavy to, to see these people and know that the, they're so wrong and mm-hmm. that the pain that they felt and the excuses that they're making. Mm-hmm. It's tragic. Douglas Murray had a very interesting article about abortion and the abortion debate in the United States a couple weeks back. Uh, Douglas Murray is from the U.K., and, and he saw what I would say are – moments of hope and also moments of um, warning and and Mm. despair. And he pointed out that in the UK, the abortion figures are from 2020 were almost 10 times the number carried out the year after abortion became legal in the UK. And it's the case that now um, about a quarter of all pregnancies in the UK are being terminated. Mm. So that is that is a warning for us in the U.S. That is certainly not a path that we want to follow. But he also found some hope in the fact that there that Americans are taking this debate seriously. Mm-hmm. That we still regard abortion as a serious moral mm-hmm. issue, and that that gives an indication that we're still a serious moral country. Mm-hmm. So I think there is some hope there. Mm. That's encouraging to hear. Yeah, because that this is um, I think it's fascinating to see how science has kind of come along Mm because for for a long time, I think we kind of only had the moral um, 
argument on our mm-hmm. side, but now we have that argument plus the scientific argument. Right. The scientific awesome. argument has informed exactly. that argument and, and brought it home. And actually, I, I believe younger generations mm-hmm. are more against abortion in part because of the of knowing about the science behind it. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard when you see a sonogram and a baby moving around in the womb to try and make an argument that that's not a human being. Virginia, after this, because we're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> As we just want to work all day Saturday. <laughs> Eight hours. No, no, no big deal. <laughs> um, She's hoping her boss is listening to this and we'll give her a comp day. <laughs> no, I... Uh, <laughs> I spent a good amount of time on Monday in front of Kate Trinko's office being like, Kate, I just want you to know, uh, Virginia and I spent eight hours working on (laughs) Um, But we went to Justice Amy Coney Barrett's home Mm -hmm. to see uh, any protests there. And the good news is that the protest was so lame. It was like it was I was literally embarrassed for them. I think there was two police officers for every protester. Yeah. Well, almost, there was nine police officers and five oh, protesters. Almost. And there was five protesters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was three uh, journalists. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they literally they so they walked up. They, they met up a half mile away and Virginia and I drove by. And we're like, oh, there's only four. Like, that's embarrassing. And then the cops went and they're like, there's only four. And so they spent like two, I think, 30 minutes waiting. I think they were hoping for more to show up. Mm-hmm. And so they, they marched in and they went around the block once. So Virginia and I are following them. Virginia's trying to ask them questions. They won't talk to they her. They will not talk to me. They marched around a second time. And that's when I went, Virginia, I'm out. <laughs> Lauren just peace out. She's like, they're just going to keep walking in circles. circles and not talking to you. And they had about the same three chants that yeah. they just kept repeating reusing. over and over again. But yeah, I tried. Like I tried. I followed them out of the neighborhood still like, will you give me a comment? Will you tell me why you're here? <laughs> yeah. And they were like, no. <laughs> and the cops were watching Virginia. We're like, she's, she's a great journalist. <laughs> <laughs> give me so. something, people. So it's, it's interesting. Like on one hand, it's so gross what they're doing to show up at this woman's house to try to intimidate her. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they are literally the least intimidating, like most pathetic group of people <laughs> that I've ever seen in my life. And uh, yeah, it just, I wish they would just get the hint and. Well, and also what they're doing is illegal. Like you can't yeah. show up at a judge or a justice's home with the intent to intimidate them in order to get them to change their opinion or their ruling on a case. Like that's actually a violation of yeah. federal law. Yeah. And I, I think it, you know, it's both, tragic. Um, I really feel for the justices that, you know, their privacy is being violated at their own homes. Um, But this is so inappropriate. And it's also just like such a fundamental misunderstanding of what the role of our judicial system is. They don't make the laws. The moment Roe v. Wade is overturned, it goes back to the states to decide. Mm -hmm. Like these people should be talking to their governors and their state legislatures if they actually want uh, abortion in their state. This has nothing to do with the justices. They're just looking at what the Constitution says. Yeah. Okay. God bless them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Brenda, thank you for coming on this week. It's always a pleasure to have you on Problematic Women. It's always so much fun to be here. <laughs> and I promise we didn't we do not make her say that. Yeah. <laughs> she says that willingly. Really, every time Brenda comes on, somebody's like, Lauren, you you scared her, but she comes back. <laughs> Glutton for punishment. Yes. Yes. Well, we appreciate it, Brenda. And I do want to know, just as we wrap up this segment, that we're still waiting on that decision on the Dobbs case. It could be not until June thirtieth when we actually get that final decision. I think it's gonna come sooner. 
See, I thought so. And then I've been talking to like lawyers that know mm. stuff and they're like, no, nah, I think it's going to be the end of mm. June. And I'm like, really? But I don't know. Yeah. It's honestly, it's everyone's yeah. guess right now. But um, stay tuned because up next, we crown our problematic woman of the week. Do you have an interest in public policy? Do you want to hear lectures from some of the biggest names in American politics? The Heritage Foundation hosts webinars called Heritage Events Live. These events are free and open to the public. To find the latest Heritage events and to register, visit heritage.org events. Now it is that time once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to... Sarah Partial Perry. Sarah Partial Perry is a senior legal fellow here at the Heritage Foundation. She's been on the show before, and right now she's doing a lot of writing and reporting on the Dobbs case and the soon, hopefully, coming end of Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sarah Partial Perry, she is such a champion for life. She's doing so much great work. If, if you've watched like Fox at all in the past two weeks, <laughs> you've probably seen a lot. Of Sarah Perry, because uh, she is such a bright legal mind who uh, also happens to be staunchly pro protecting those who don't have a voice. Also, she gets it. Like, she gets that you have to be fierce, mm-hmm. right? She does not sugarcoat things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and really, like, what a problematic woman is, is Sarah. And she's also so smart. When she was mm-hmm. on a couple weeks ago, the way that she was just able to like rattle off all this legal knowledge mm-hmm. she's like oh, wow yeah and she's a mom too yeah. so. <laughs> she's doing it all yeah so i think it's it's honestly it's women like her i'm like man so many people they, they don't know who sarah partial perry is but those are the people that uh should be our role models that yep. we should be looking to that we should be telling our our daughters or our nieces about um, because these are women who are leading they work really hard and they're standing for truth. And one is not always easy. Yeah. So, congrats to Sarah Perry for being our problematic woman. And we're doing of this part week. two. So, Sarah, if you're listening, now you have to come back on really soon <laughs> to problematic women. Yes. Yes. We'll <laughs> just twist your arm a little bit. Well, and with that, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.